Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and the world is still rife with rumors, speculation, and innuendo. And of course, you know we here at ATB have got you covered. Of course, I can't do this by myself. I need a little help pulling the weight. He helps me Monday nights on Raw. He is my co-host here on After the Bell, Kevin Patrick. KP, what's the word? Heard any good rumors lately? Nada. Absolutely nothing. How are you doing, pal? Hope hope all's well. I'm still recovering from Monday Night Raw and and the fun we had. Let's be honest here. I, I can we let a little little, little uh, line or two in here on how you and I experienced Dominic Mysterio because I have never seen you as giddy as you were during Monday Night Raw and Dominic's entrance and what played out afterward. And much to the contrary, I have never seen more fear in your eyes, Kevin Patrick, than when you came face to face with Rhea Ripley. When Rhea leaned over the desk, I thought that was probably the last sentence you had ever spoken on global television. Luckily, you survived. But let's talk about it. The world is buzzing about it. Twitter was on fire. Social media on all platforms for the days in the wake of Monday Night Raw, Tuesday, Wednesday, as we're recording this the world's still talking about the world's hardest criminal, Dominic oh, Mysterio. Would you listen to yourself? You're still banging on about this, the world's hardest criminal? That's coming right. out in his flannel and, and, his, and his teardrop tattoo under his eye. It was television gold. It was so much fun in the moment. A few hours in county jail and he's banging on like he's Andy Dufresne. It was fun. You had a rap which I want you to bring each and every week now on Monday Night Raw. Any promises? Can you continue this trend? I, I cannot make any promises. I can't really believe that I successfully didn't trip over my own tongue trying to alter infamous Tupac lyrics to Chris and Dom's arrival in full, final, street-hard form to WWE. Man, I, you were sitting beside me. No one in Birmingham was having as much fun for that tag team turmoil match as you and I. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. What made it so much fun for you, the Dominic story and his appearance on Raw? It's just fun. It's entertaining. It's it's just, you don't have to think too hard about it. It's why, it's what I love about this business. When you can sort of shut your brain off for a little bit and just have fun. You and everybody else not named Corey Graves in the Legacy Arena on Monday night, everyone not part of a judgment day, wanted to see Dominic get punched in the face 
That is the sort of stuff that in this day and age, you don't get enough of. Everybody says, oh, that's my favorite bad guy. Oh, that guy's such a good bad guy. That guy's such an entertaining bad guy. No, people don't like Dominic. And it is so rare in 2023 to have anybody who gets a genuine reaction of disdain from the WWE universe. Not in a sense that it's, oh, well, this is going to be a good match. We know that so-and-so is very talented. We know that they always say compelling things. People just want to watch Dom get beat up. And then you factor in Rhea Ripley, who, listen, let's be honest, the, the WWE universe, a lot of them have a, have a crush on, right? Rhea's, Rhea's a very attractive person to, to many different people. So the fact that she comes out flaunting her relationship, whatever the details may be, with Dominic Mysterio, there are so many guys around the globe that are going, God, are you kidding me? She's with him. <laughs> I, I've experienced it to a much lesser extent with because of who my wife is, right? People see me and go, why would she see what, what's in Corey Graves? He's an announcer. He's not this. He's not that. It makes people mad. It's a, it's just an inherent thing. And I love it. Dominic has played it and exploited it perfectly. I love the evolution. I love how it was overnight. There was no slow burn to him circling the, the bowl and then going down the drain. It was, oh no, I spent a few hours in lockup. Now I am a legitimate thug. I love it. It is so much fun to me. I climbed down from the bunk and I said to him, you got a problem? <laughs> I'm looking at you <laughs> and you're pressing the cough button. You know, at our announce desk, there's a cough button in case you need to cough. And you're pressing that thing because you don't want your laughter to come across on the air in that moment. And listen, and it translated. Like I said, I, I for once, I couldn't tell you the last time I opened my social media after a show and it was positive toward my, my performance. But it, it was just fun. Everything, everybody was in on it. Everybody just enjoyed watching it play out. I am so curious to see where this story goes with Dominic as a vital part of the Judgment Day, which I want to talk a little bit more about because there's more to it than Dominic. Obviously, Dom's getting all the love right now, and Rhea is, is always a featured aspect of that faction. But Damian Priest and Finn Balor have really taken the ball and, and then elevated the Judgment Day in the perception of the WWE fans. And, and even internally, from where I sit, I remember the, the genesis of the Judgment Day with Edge. And I remember talking to Edge. I think you might have even been in the locker room when I was trying to get Edge to explain what the Judgment Day was going to be, what their mission was, what the point of their existence would be in WWE. And even Edge had trouble really explaining the motives at the time. Here we are, fast forward several months you know, into the future, and the Judgment Day sans Edge has thrived. And Balor is doing some of his best work of his storied career as a villain in a different role than we've seen Finn in America. Finn was an exquisite bad guy in Japan, but in the United States, it's still relatively unfamiliar. And Damian Priest on Monday night. I don't want Damian to get lost in the shuffle and the, the hysteria that has been Dominic Mysterio because Damian Priest on Monday night, man, that dude earned his paycheck, KP. 100%. What was he, close to an hour? I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, and, and we were getting updates from our producers. 
he was yeah. definitely in the, in the neighborhood of an hour straight in that the tag team turmoil match. And man, that thing was a sprint from start to finish. Yeah, uh, but he needed to be. Uh, and when you look at what Finn Balor offers, what Dominic Mysterio offers, Rhea Ripley too, they need Damian Priest, the big man who's able to stand up to a Luke Gallows, who's able to stand up to an Otis in those moments throughout the entire duration of this match. Uh, I found it fascinating and, and quite honestly hilarious when Finn Balor, not hilarious, the fact that Otis crushed his ribs. Finn oh yeah, real, real knee slapper there, KP. Yeah. We've got yeah. one of the best athletes in the game Finn Balor, first ever universal champion, and you're having a laugh because he know, got squashed by Irishman. 600 pounds. But in that moment, right by our announce desk, we had to just shut up and listen to what was going on. And Finn is saying, I can't continue. Adam Pearce comes out, <laughs> WWE official. And then Dominic's like, get up, Finn. Finn, get up, because he knows damn well that he's going to get thrust into the spotlight. No, 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 no. Bite your tongue. I know where you think you're going. Dominic wanted Finn to get up because Dominic was afraid of what he might have to do to the other teams oh, within the confines of tag team turmoil. Once you've seen some things like Dom has, man, you can't look at the world the same <laughs> way, KP. Oh, all right, this was this was for the safety of all the other competitors in the tag team turmoil matchup. Dominic was trying to protect them from himself. Okay, so you you. you should probably correct your mistake on the air publicly and maybe apologize if you know what's good for you. I'm sure Dawkins was 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 just shivering in that moment at the thought of it. L listen, Dominic then gets thrust in. Damien Priest had his doubts. In that moment, by our announced desk, Damien Priest is looking going, hang on now. Finn, are you okay? No? You're not going to be able to continue? They would have had to forfeit. So Dominic gets put in. And Dominic looked really good. Dominic looked fantastic. But throughout the entire last segment of Raw, I'm looking at the strength of Dominic Mysterio, the charisma in the ring, and ultimately they get it done. And we're now in a moment in WWE where we're seeing the most dominant faction in recent times, one of the most powerful forces in all of WWE history, the bloodline. And the Judgment Day coming in thick and fast with Rhea Ripley by their side. It's going to be fun to see this. Going off the air, man, that stare down between the Usos and the Judgment Day, if it didn't make you feel some kind of way, as I like to say, you better check your pulse. But I want to go back to, to giving Damian Priest his flowers again for just a minute because this is a guy who appeared on the scene in WWE and, and tasted some pretty significant success relatively early on. He was United States champion, defeated Sheamus at SummerSlam. I mean, Priest was really on an upward trajectory. And then he sort of, I don't want to say stalled out, but the, the, the fire subsided slightly. And, and that's when the Judgment Day came into to play. And there were a lot of questions. Hey, wait a minute. This guy, Priest, was a big deal a few months ago. Uh, has his time passed? Has his moment evaporated? Did we get the best we were going to get out of Damian Priest? And I've gotten to know Priest fairly well over, over the time he's been in WWE. And I remember him saying to me, man, I, I'm just, I feel like something's off. Something's not right. He wasn't feeling where he was at the time. But what we saw, I think, on Monday was sort of a coming out party for Damian Priest in a, in a sense that it reminded everybody, oh, wait a minute, just because he's sort of been in the background casting a giant ominous shadow in the Judgment Day, and maybe Priest hasn't been the focal point of the Judgment Day recently, but I think Monday was very, very important for the fans to remember what this dude is capable of. He 100%. was United States champion. He may very well be half of the tag team champions in a few weeks whenever, whenever they decide to cash in that opportunity. Uh, but I think Priest really needed Monday night for his own purposes uh, to, to really believe in himself and remind himself, oh man, I believe 
that I, I belong here. I am where I am supposed to be within the judgment day. And we are just getting started. And it, it reminds me of the conversation we have so frequently with talent here and superstars on After the Bell. It's that, that uncertainty. Where do I go next? What is my next move? And it speaks volumes to the character of him as a, as a superstar and as a talented human being to bide his time, not get frustrated, not throw the baby out with the bathwater, wait for the opportunity. And when you get to come up to the plate, you get on base. And Damian Priest hit a hell of a triple, if nothing else, on Monday night. I think it's been several weeks now, actually. I think it's been three, four weeks in a row where we've been banging on about Damian Priest on commentary for all the right reasons. And for me, right. what makes the Judgment Day so successful is that each character has such different traits and characteristics about them. Yes, the relationship between Mami and Caliente, as you call him, Dominic Mysterio, is a wonderful storyline. And it, it's so attractive in so many ways. Uh, but what Priest and, and Balor and their experience have brought to this and their quality in that squared circle has been a joy to see. You mentioned looking forward. Friday Night Smackdown, tonight. Where do you want to go here? Because there's two matches that really stand out. We're talking Gunther and Braun Strowman for the Intercontinental Championship. Stop right also- there. Okay. <laughs> Stop right there. Just because I, I'm going to forget what I want to say because I have so much that I want to say. We don't have a ton of time before our guest, L.A. Knight, joins after the bell. Can't wait to chat him up about the Mountain Dew pitch black match at the Royal Rumble. But off the top of your head, you mentioned Gunther Braun Strowman. It is no secret how I feel about Gunther and Imperium as a whole and how impressed I have been with the Intercontinental Champion during his reign prior to his reign and talk about being excited for the future. I can't wait to see what Gunther is capable of a year, two years from down the line. But tonight, man, this is going to be an old school, heavy hitting Haas fight. You've got Gunther and one of the only men who outsize the intercontinental champion being the monster of all monsters, Braun Strowman, who's been reinvigorated, rejuvenated. And I think this, this has all the makings from where I sit to be one of, if not Braun Strowman's greatest match. Why? And I say that taking everything into consideration that Braun's done. He's been at the top of the mountain. He's been a universal champion. Braun, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, perception and how superstars want to be perceived. And Braun has caught himself a lot of flack from the internet wrestling community, from guys and girls in the locker room, because Braun likes to talk about how he views himself. Braun has a very positive self-image as far as his contribution to this business. And I don't disagree with him more often than not. I see what Braun adds to the game, what Braun brings to the table, but what Braun needs for, for, in my opinion, the locker room to look at him the same way. And more importantly, for the fans to view Braun is to go out and have a banger, not a Braun Strowman match where he runs through everybody and which is fun. I mean, no one gets tired of watching Braun destroy things. But to go out there with the Intercontinental Champion, who is red hot, and even if Braun can't take the title, if Braun can hang with Gunther for you know a, a significant period of time and produce a potential classic match, I think the whole world is going to look at Braun very differently. Totally agree. Braun's then going to back up all of his claims in a larger, more drawn-out platform than Braun Smash. Totally agree. And we're so used to week in, week out, seeing that Strowman Express, you know, Braun at pace, running down the ramp, whether it's protecting uh, Ricochet or just steamrolling people. He's never going to do that. 
against Gunther. Uh, he's never going to do that against. Yeah, Kimberly. never say never with Braun. I've watched Braun tear down the entire Raw set. I <laughs> never say never. Gunther's built different. There's something about this guy. He's just the ultimate bruiser. And uh, listen, I'll say this: we talk about the Judgment Day, and the Judgment Day for me at least was a little bit of a slow build. You're starting to figure out who they are. It was obvious to me from day one what Gunther was and what Imperium was. And from day one, I fell in love as a fan watching Imperium. Their entrance, the, the, the old-fashioned, you, you mentioned it on After the Bell many moons ago about their old-fashioned bruiser approach and how it's so unbelievably effective. I, I, I was all in on Imperium from day one. There's a part of me that, that does not want to see Imperium and, and, and in particular Gunther lose the Intercontinental Championship because I enjoy their work so much. Um, and I'm fascinated to see how it plays out tonight. It's going to be it's going to be one hell of a bruising battle. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm not going to miss that at all. And elsewhere on the card tonight on Friday Night SmackDown. Oh, by the way, yeah, <laughs> let's run it back <laughs> one more time. Sami Zayn, the honorary Oos, one of if not the most popular superstars in WWE right now from the fans' perspective, versus the man who will challenge the Tribal Chief at Royal Rumble, Roman Reigns. Uh, Kevin Owens. I, I, I lost my train of thought there. I was saying, I was, I was fully prepared to pontificate about Roman Reigns, and I went, oh, we're not talking about him just yet. Uh, Owens, Zane, again, running it back. We've seen the match several times, and when I say several, I'm sure that's the understatement of the year. However, as many times as we have experienced Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens, it never disappoints. And tonight, the stakes are incredibly high. Sammy's got to get back in the good graces of the head of the table. KO, one step closer to colliding with Roman in San Antonio. I mean, what do you expect to see tonight, KP? I'm intrigued to see what plays out around this match tonight. What plays out backstage tonight. The, the images of Sammy getting the apology from Roman, but then all of a sudden Paul Heyman saying, you could redeem yourself. All is not right for Sami Zayn on that island of relevancy right now. And there, there is huge pressure on him to get the victory tonight. I mean, these guys are the best of friends and have been for so long and each other's weddings, you know? Like, we talk about being friends with, with the kids that were... But there's so much that goes into this. And for Sami to throw it all away, to be on the side of Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns watching on tonight, will he be ringside at SmackDown? Or will he be watching on from a distance? With the match at Royal Rumble just two weeks away... For Sami Zayn to put away KO and end the KO problem, I mean, that's not going to happen to Kevin Owens anytime soon. He'll still be there at the Royal Rumble. Graves, I don't know, man. I, I, there's so much that goes into this beyond what plays out inside the ring that uh, it's a must-see tonight. I will be sitting down, putting my ass on the seat tonight and watching SmackDown. Cannot wait for that match. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm going to be glued to my television. So many unanswered questions regarding the honorary Oos and his standing in the bloodline. So many questions to be answered between now and when we arrive at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. So many questions involving our guest's match. So hopefully he can shine a little light on what we can expect at the Alamo Dome. Streaming live WWE on Peacock at the Royal Rumble. He is our guest for the very first time ever on After the Bell. L.A. Knight. L.A., first things first, welcome to After the Bell. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions that I don't fully expect you to answer because many of them regard Bray Wyatt. But we are rapidly approaching San Antonio, Texas, Royal Rumble, premium live event, streaming live, WWE on Peacock. What in the blue hell is a Mountain Dew pitch black match? Well, first, as a former professional broadcaster, I feel like a 
I, I lack professionalism right now. I've got a bunch of guys with headphones on. I have none. Can barely hear you, and I'm lying. I hear you okay. Uh, pitch black match. Uh, you know, I think it's a um, something new in the making. There, there was something to the point where I was like, I don't know what the hell this is. I don't know what the hell this is going to be. Uh, but every indication that I've been given is it's going to be kick-ass street fight. It's going to basically be kind of uh, in the dark. I don't know what the lighting is going to be. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what other kind of factors or elements are going to come into play. All I know is it's just going to be a fight at the Royal Rumble. I want to get your perspective on things as, as your career has gone. You are relatively new to the WWE universe on a grandest scale. You're recently appearing on, on Friday Night SmackDown for the first time in your career. You find yourself with that opportunity, and immediately you are standing face-to-face -face with a Bray Wyatt, an established superstar here in WWE who's been the universal champion. What is going through your mind from a, a personal perspective, when you are in this spot, you've worked so hard to be a WWE superstar and you are staring nose to nose with this terrifying being that we, we really don't know a lot about. Well, look, all, all credit and, uh, and uh, respect due to the guy. Uh, he's a huge name. Uh, he's done a lot of things and he's been around and, and been a mainstay in the WWE. So, you know, it's amazing that, that he's coming in on my turf, essentially. Because here I was talking and he comes in on, on my thing. So, so I've obviously, um, you know, made some noise, uh, ruffled some feathers in a short amount of time to make that happen. Um, but at the same time, I can recognize that that's a hell of a spot to be in. Again, just to um, get to be in such a high profile thing with Bray Wyatt like that. And uh, you can damn well bet I'm going to make the best of it. It's the biggest match of your career, right, L.A.? I, I would have to say so. Some would say so. I, when you're talking about going to the, the, the Alamo Dome, San Antonio, what do we got? Nearly 80,000 people, something jam-packed in that thing. So, uh, uh, and, and a huge match that's just like monumental as far as just career making. So, yeah, uh, to, to come right out of the gate on SmackDown, and then here we are, Royal Rumble. This is my first premium live event, uh, my first Royal Rumble. A lot of firsts here. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty huge, huge spot. And, uh, like I said, I'm going to make sure that I make a whole lot of noise in that spot. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Follow King. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. 
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. I got to ask your perspective because you have had the opportunity. I don't know whether it's been positive or negative, but you have stood in the ring as Bray Wyatt has made that mesmerizing entrance. I want you to take off the LA Knight hat for a moment to the human being standing in the middle of a WWE ring when that moment occurs. The fans in the arenas know what it feels like. It's a tangible difference in the energy when, when this entrance is happening. What, what does it feel like as a superstar? standing in the ring, knowing you're getting ready to fight. You're getting ready to do what you do to be L.A. Knight to the best of your ability. But when all that's going on, what's going through your head when you're standing there watching all this unfold? Well, for the most part, I'm like, holy hell, how long is this going to go? No, it's uh, – <laughs> no, no, it's – it's, it's uh, it, it, I, I got to admit, it's kind of badass. I, I keep my stuff pretty uh, uh, bare bones in a certain sense, and that's by design. So so when you see somebody that's that's kind of putting that – that thought and that imagination into that. And uh, it, it, it does have quite the effect that the people seem to be into it. It's, it's, um, I won't go as far as saying uh, goosebumps or anything like that, but it does have an ominous presence to it. It has a feel to it that is, uh, I, I would say, unmatched in a lot of ways. And do you think about the transition as well from from what was just a couple of months ago when you did burst back onto the scene to now? Graves, you've been on commentary for a long time. Have you ever seen a transition like this where someone goes from rubbing shoulders with Mansoir and Mansoor and Maxine to all of a sudden Bray Wyatt? <laughs> this is the, the craziest transition I've ever seen. Well, this isn't a transition. I've seen it. I've I've known I've known LA for many moons at this point. Our our journeys have crossed, our paths have crossed numerous times. And I want to get into that, uh, LA about talk to talk to us about your journey to WWE. This isn't even your first go-round within the WWE system, but you have put in a ton of work in this business and sacrificed like so many have, but but we don't hear a lot about where LA Knight came from. We know who you are. Tell tell us about what what made you the way you are. I should have been gone a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> I, Just uh, when you thought you were out. <laughs> right. Uh, now, I, I've been on the radar since 2004, believe it or not. Um, uh, if you remember the million dollar tough enough, I'm probably telling some secrets here, but um, I was a, I was a runner up. I was chosen as an alternate. They chose eight people for that. And remember that was the one that the Miz was on. And uh, I, I was chosen. So they choose eight and then two alternates. I was one of those two alternates. Now, I was given a card from one of the high-level people there and just said, hey, keep in touch with us. I'm a 22-year-old kid. I had been wrestling for about a year at that point. I didn't know what the hell to do with that card. I had no idea. So I'm holding on to this card, and I'm just like, just put that away. And it just it just sat there for years, and nothing ever happened until um, somebody that I was wrestling with in my own company where I'd started in, in Ohio had gotten a, a dark match. And I was like, 
what the hell? If he's getting a dark match, I, I can get a dark match. So I started ringing off the hook. I called WWE talent relations every hour on the hour until somebody picked up. And I was just like, how can I come and be an extra? But I, the one thing is I never knew I'd ask for a job. It was just like, hey, I know you guys are going to be in Ohio because that's where I started wrestling. Where did you start in Ohio? Heartland Wrestling Heartland. Okay. Yeah. So Cody Hawk and all those guys? Yes. Yeah. So so it was uh, Les Thatcher was running the deal. Cody Hawk was kind of just taking over as head trainer and Les was kind of phasing his way out. But yeah, so so I was I was in the, the uh in with Cody Hawk, amazing trainer, great with like little details and stuff like that. And so yeah, I spent probably 6 years there, I think. Um, and, you know, working other little shows around there. But honestly, the best move I ever made was getting my ass out of there and going to California. And now California's indie scene wasn't super great. But you throw in championship wrestling from Hollywood, which was just it, it was creatively such a good time for me. And the, the locker room atmosphere was always great and easy. And it was amazing footage to send around. And, and you're on, you know, local TV in L.A., which, you know, probably three people were watching. But at the same time, it's like. It's a cool deal. Hey, I sure. wrestle on TV. No such thing as bad exposure at that time, man. You take anything. And and so I, you know, I, I'm I'm working as a server five days a week at you know name the restaurant. I was probably there because I've been fired from all of them. And uh, uh, you know, so I, I'd do that for the flexibility of schedule, and then I'd go you know wrestle this that show on the weekend. When I was out in LA, it was like you know LA shows would be on like Saturday Sunday. Maybe sometimes I'd go to Vegas and do a show. I'd go to San Francisco or you know somewhere in Arizona. Long, long drives when you're out there. Nothing's close together like on the East Coast. It's no. so easy if you're in New York, Philly, something like that. Right. But a lot of that and a lot of me just kind of like trying to get a job, never getting anybody's ear because I didn't know how to ask straight up. It was like I'd get the ex I'd get the extra gig. I'd do the dark match. I'd you know, I'd have a match on heat uh way back when that was a thing. You know, I I had a dark match in uh 2008 and i shot myself in the foot after that uh i showed up late uh the uh, second day. they invited me back after my match they were very happy with it i came back the next day i had some stuff happening with a shoulder but at the same time i was like well i can't go in there you know not pumped up i gotta go to the gym real quick that ended up going too long i got there an hour late and i couldn't get a phone answered for two three years it's so wild, though. I just want to add a little context to it, to what you're talking about, because that was a sign, sort of the same time frame that I start, started coming up in, and I experienced. That's how you used to get booked if you were on the independents and you wanted to step foot, KP, into WWE. There was no NXT. There was developmental, but it wasn't like the monster that it is now where it's, it's the, the factory in Orlando where you have everything you need. You used to have to call a phone number. And hopefully whoever was working at talent relations would pick up and you would say, Hey, I see you guys are going to be in Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Detroit and Chicago. Do you, do you have anything? And they'd go, okay. Uh, yeah, we need you in Chicago next week. We have a spot. And from Pittsburgh, that's an eight hour drive. It's costing me money, but guess what? I'm going to get into that building and you, and you feel like a, a pariah. You don't know what's happening. And we still do, Kevin, if you notice backstage, we have the, the extra talent. Yeah, of course. That used to be us. All of us, LA's done it. I've done it. I mean, you, you ask anybody who's everybody who's anybody from that time period, it was the most nerve wracking thing in the world because you sit in this locker room and you hope to whoa, LA's whoa, point. Whoa, 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 whoa. What locker room? It was usually That's true. depending on the building. <laughs> you're right. With some curtains or a broom closet. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we were the, the unwanted redheaded stepchildren of the day. And you, you'd usually, you walk up and they'd pay you. And 99% of the time you didn't do anything, but sometimes every once in a while, 
Val Venus needed somebody to get beat up. Mark right. Henry had to throw old SJK around the ring. Like I've never experienced a human, but that was, that was how you got your foot in the door. And it just, it's very different from how it works in this day and age where you can submit photos and videos online and there's a website and it's very, very organized. It was kind of the wild West back then. So sorry to make that sidebar. I just want everybody to understand what it was like for, for that time. But that's period. So true. And, and, and even it was even to a point, like the first couple of times I went there, there were some people who weren't even necessarily invited, but if you were a wrestler, you could kind of just show up. And I, so, so when I was at championship wrestling with Hollywood for about three years, Paul Bearer um, was my manager. Okay. And so um, well, as Percy Pringle. Um, and so he had told me one time in 2012, because I, I, like I said, I couldn't get him to answer the phone for like two, three years because of me showing up late that one time. And he was like, they're going to be in Anaheim. Just go show up. You, you, you can go work out what I'm like. I'm like, okay, screw it. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh-uh. I got there. And after about uh, 20 minutes, uh, somebody came up to me and they were like, Hey, I'm sorry. Um, I don't think you're on the list. And I was like, I- I'm not, but I was told by, Paul Bear, you know, just kind of show up, whatever. And he was like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore, da, 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 whatever. Oh, like, man. Hey, cool. So then I had to get out of there. Um, so it wasn't until um, I think 2012, midway somewhere, I think there was a, a, a change in talent relations. And then it was like, finally, I got my a response to an email. And I was like, oh, oh, I got somebody on the hook. Can't <laughs> let this so, one go. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and honestly, the, the first response was just like, well, you know, we have a lot of guys that kind of fit your physical demographic. We're trying to broaden the pool. And I was like, he responded to me. No, no, no. Hold on. I was like, I understand you've got a lot of guys that fit my physical, blah, blah, blah. I was like, but you don't have a lot of guys that fit my talent package. Da, 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 da. You know, I'm going on. And he's like, okay, you got my attention. Are you available these days? And I'm like, here we go. Because all I wanted was a tryout. Just give me a, give me a straight up real tryout. Let me ask for a job. Cause it was like, finally, just as I'm approaching, what was this? 2012 or 2013. Finally, I knew how to ask for, before it was just like, if I go there, I show up as an extra, I show up to do background work. They're just going to notice me and be like, right. Hey, it's it's like, job? it's like people that move to Hollywood and they just expect that somebody's going to discover them while they're waiting tables without going to the audition. You have to do the work. I'm, I'm like John Van D- or John Claude Van Damme, just doing karate moves in my driveway. And listen, you can laugh about that now, LA, right? You, you you've had what close to 20 years of, of this absolute roller coaster of ups hey, and downs. Hey, 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 quit aging. You're right. You're right. But, but with that, though, you see a Roxanne Perez break through at 21 years of age and have the success that she's having. For you, the self-doubt, the moments of doubt, were you ever in a position where you thought about walking away and saying, no, I've, I've got to do something else? I couldn't. I kind of, I, to use an analogy, I, I kind of burned the boats behind me. I didn't really have a retreat pattern. I didn't have a plan B. It wasn't necessarily by design, but like I, I went to college for a couple of years, but due to money reasons. My parents got divorced, a bunch of stuff. It was like, I couldn't pay for college my second year. And I kept going to classes and they were like, you're not officially registered. I was like, hold on, the money's coming. (laughs) I drop out. So then it was just like, I started working little odd jobs at, you know, different uh, factories or warehouses or this, that until finally it was like, all right, well, you know, serving tables gives me good you know, good flexibility to do this other, so I can wrestle your wrestling habit. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, um, was I told to quit many times by many people? You bet your ass. Uh, but at the same time, it was just like, I knew I had something. 
I just knew, and and I, I don't mean to say that in like an egotistical way, although I think you do have to have some level of an ego to do what we do um, in a healthy way. But I, I just, looking at the landscape of things, I, I was just like, I have something to offer to this. And I can't, I need to just keep pounding away. It's going to happen. And eventually it did, but then it got yanked out from under me. But so, so to, to that point, before we get to all that, what is it about you and what was it inside you that you just knew you had this inherent feeling that this is where you had to be? This is what you needed to do to your point. Burn the ships. There is only one option. I'm doing this. But I can remember the first time I, I encountered you, you have a confidence about you. You carry yourself with a swagger. And that is the reason why LA Knight translates through the screen like he does. Where does that come from? <laughs> A lot of it's BS. A lot of it was uh, fabricated in high school. Um, you know, I, uh, and a lot of it came from wrestling. Um, I, you know, I can remember probably my freshman year of high school and probably even my sophomore year, just kind of, you know, sloppily dressed, kind of walked through the halls with my head down and stuff. And then I don't, I, I don't know, it was like watching, like, literally watching like The Rock, Austin Flair, uh, uh, even like, uh, like a Hollywood Hogan type thing. It was like, everything was so hot around that time where I was just like, man, it was like, I want to be like those guys. And it was just like such a confidence where it was like, I'm just going to fake it and just, just put it on. And so it was like, I started like dressing different. I'd borrow clothes from my older brother. He'd have like button up shirts and stuff. And I'm, you know, dressing better on now the, the chins up to a point where it's almost, offensive and people (laughs) don't look at me don't make direct eye contact with me like like literally people noticed it and they were just like who's this guy think he is and whatnot and 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 so a lot of it was just you know me faking it till eventually it was like I kind of started to believe it and and not in a weird unhealthy way again the the chin was a little too much and now it was just kind of like okay I am confident in my stuff minor overcorrection yeah (laughs) and, and, and then it was like just just being able to, at 20 years old, uproot myself from my home, my family, my friends, move myself to Ohio and go on this journey being broke as hell, having no money for anything, just in hopes of making this wrestling thing happen. And, and I gave myself a personal goal, and, and maybe this ain't for everybody, but for me, with the wrestling that I grew up with and the guys that I saw on TV, my goal was always, I can't even start wrestling until I'm over 200 pounds. And so I had to build myself up. And, and so once I got over 200 pounds, I was like, okay, now, now I can go realistically do this. That was kind of a culture shock. The first time I saw some independent wrestlers and I was like, oh, this is nothing like TV. This is (laughs) is very different beast. (laughs) So, so, uh, well, anyway, there, there was something in that ability to uproot myself, do that, go on this journey completely alone that I think built a real confidence and took that BS fake confidence and made it something real. But also the guys that I liked, the guys that I wanted to model myself after were never crazy great technical wrestlers. They had snappy moves that fit in here and there, but they were big time trash talkers. And for me, that was, I want to be able to talk trash like nobody else. And then I want to be able to come in and just have a hell of a match. It's not going to be, you know, I'm not going to have some five-star nonsense, but I'm going to come in, give you a good damn show, and I'm going to talk the whole way damn through it, and I'm going to talk you into the thing. 
But don't sell yourself short though, because I think that's something I would, I would bet you've agreed with and learned over the years that it's not about the quote unquote, the moves and the five-star matches. It's the emotion that you feel. And how do you learn to feel the emotion of these superstars? It's to your point and where you excel through communication. And that's where that connection is born. So that, that, that's the thing for me is like, I, it, I, I've been a wrestling fan since before I can remember. My dad watched it. His dad watched it. Like, I mean, I grew up with the stuff. So like, for me though, always like the good guys, always boo the bad guys, you know, until probably about high schoolish. But around that time, it was like, if, if a guy wasn't a talker, I didn't really care too much. You could do the coolest, fanciest moves ever, but it didn't really mean much if I didn't connect with the guy. And, and my brothers were more casual fans. And I remember like just during the Attitude Era, for instance, I, I remember this quote directly from both of them. Many, many times they would always just say, I just watch for the talking. And that always stuck with me. And, and I know people complain about sometimes like, oh, there's too much talking. And sometimes there is. But if that talking is good and it's pertinent to what's happening and it's moving you in the direction of whatever's going on in that match, it's, it's the best thing going. So for me, my aim was always let me get down the pipe here for everybody. They, they, they can connect with me feel what I'm saying. I need to mean what I'm saying. And then we can translate that into the physicality. I feel like I'm talking to myself, KP. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? I love it. <laughs> I this love feels it. like this feels like you and I having a cocktail after Monday Night Raw and the discussions <laughs> that we have. Was there a moment for you, LA, that you felt, wow, what I'm saying here is really resonating. It's working. Was there a moment that stands out throughout your career or in WWE for that matter? <sighs> well, see the... You know, one thing I've always, one thing I've always struggled with in this career that's really held me back with anything. I, I, I always go into a lot of locker rooms. I'm the biggest heel right off the bat because I don't talk a lot, which sounds crazy. That sounds nuts. But like on a personal level, if I don't know somebody, I just, I'm not going to come and just talk your ear off. So sure. I'll come say hello and I'll, you know, just kind of go off and do my thing. But then people see I carry myself a certain way. And then they see I'm not talking to anybody and they're like, well, who does this guy think he is? Well, you know, what's his deal? And usually it's just, I'm not trying to bother anybody, but it gets misconstrued as this, that, whatever. But in that, because of that, I always struggle to put myself over in a certain way because that's been the biggest detriment to my career is like, oh, he's got an attitude. This, and it's like, I, I just, I'm just staying to myself. I come and do my work and then that's it. I go home. If I make friends, cool. If I don't, cool too. Because of that, now I'm just like, all right, how do I say this? But I feel like I was making stuff like that work as far back as when I was at HWA. We're talking 2000, probably not the first couple of years. Actually, yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Like, that was always my thing was even before, even before I started wrestling, it was like I was doing, you know, promos on camera. I was imitating guys or I was doing my own stuff or whatever. You know, I, I didn't really know how to deliver that necessarily in the most proper, productive effective way. But as I got in the business and I already had some verbal abilities to me, then it was like, all right, well, let me now tailor this and let me just switch this little detail and add this in to make this make more sense and uh, help put myself over while also building this person, which then builds me. Different stuff like that. I'd say within the first year and a half, I was just noticing that those small little crowds were responding exactly how I wanted. 
and I'm just like, okay, this is pretty good. And, and, and as the years went, it was like, all right, well, let's, let's continue. Let's develop whatever. And then it was like, when I got to LA and doing championship wrestling from Hollywood, that's when I felt, I felt like I was in my stride. I never, like, that was when I was like certain. I was like this, I can't swear on here, can I? Uh, Say whatever you want. We got, we got editors, we got censors. That's what I was saying. The, the S is on. How about that? Because uh, like I, 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 that's where my head was. Was I was just like, like nobody can touch me at this point is where I was thinking. Because at that time, I, just, I didn't feel like there were a lot of guys really pulling that verbal wagon, if you will. I mean, you had CM Punk who was kind of doing his thing and, and, and you know, pipe bomb, all that stuff, whatnot. But there wasn't, I felt like a lot of that had been lost. The, the art of the quote-unquote promo, the, the yes. talking them into the seats, so to speak. Well, I mean, if you look, if you look at like 1999 to 2001, like everybody top to bottom, not everybody, but, but a large majority of people top to bottom had some verbal something or other. The Godfather, Val Venus, New Age Outlaws, Triple H, Rock, Austin, uh, I, I, I could probably go on, but I can't think of all the guys. But it's like everybody had some sort of catchphrase or some promo ability that was super over from top to bottom on the card. And it was like all of a sudden it was like that just kind of went away at some point. And I will say the wrestling got a lot better. That's cool. Um, <laughs> but it was like I felt like that that verbal acuity, so to speak, was kind of lacking. And that's where I was just like, okay. I have something that I can add to this. I have something I can bring into this. Um, and, and like I said, when I got to LA and I was doing championship wrestling from Hollywood, it was like, I really, they gave me a lot of time to kind of just do my thing. And it was like, Hey, all right, uh, talk about this. And there was no real time given to me. I usually just kind of edited my own time. If it went one minute, if it went three minutes, I tried not to go long winded because I know that gets boring. So it's like, let me just do this. And that freedom just allowed me to really flourish, explore some stuff, and then see what people responded to. And I felt like I was just on a roll. And then that's when things actually finally started happening. So LA, obviously we've only touched the tip of the iceberg on your journey that's led you to this point. But the fact of the matter is, it is 2023, LA Knight versus Bray Wyatt to kick off the year at the Royal Rumble. What is on the immediate horizon for LA Knight, assuming you get past Bray Wyatt? Look, I... Uh... I don't want to go ahead and uh, jump the gun on anything, but uh, I, I've said this before to people where, you know, I'm, I, I have no plans of being a, a background guy. I have no plans of being a guy who's just happy to be here. I, I have come here to be the guy. Now, whether that happens after the Rumble next year, hell, five years from now, who knows? I can go forever. Uh, at some point, that's the aim. So come hell or high water or, or you know, some act of God, uh, uh, it, that, that's, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm looking and, uh, we'll see how and when I get there. It sounds to me, KP, like LA has got his sights set firmly on the top of the mountain. I love it. I love it. And coming out of the rumble, if there's a headline from the I Royal rumble, anywhere else, <laughs> what do you want that headline to say after your match against Bray White after the rumble? Oh my God. Hmm. Man, I've never been a newspaper writer. Whose game is it? LA Knight's game. How about that? We, I mean, we can be real simple with that because that, that's, that's the name of the game right there. There I it is. I want to be my game. I want to make it my game. And uh, after the Royal Rumble, that's what I want to do. LA, where can the ATB faithful track you down? Social media, anything you're working on? 
Uh, Real LA Night, both on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, on the occasion you see me there, I might post once or twice a week. We'll see. Beautiful, beautiful. Royal Rumble, we'll find out truly whose game it is. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell, WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Make sure you're listening for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell and smash that follow button so you never miss an episode. I want to say thanks one more time to LA Knight. Wish him luck at the Rumble. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell. After the Bell.